I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Uh, before we get going, let's do a little apologies here. It is very hot in Chicago. I've got my air conditioner around here. So if you hear like noises in the background, I apologize because it's hot. Uh, I probably sound a little different. Uh, we had to switch up the way I'm recording my audio this week because I'm getting a visit from Elsa. This one is not a princess. Uh, you may have noticed if you, uh, watch the news by the time you listen to this it will all be passed but as we're recording the uh tropical storm at the moment elsa is uh making its way towards the the south where i live and uh everybody is getting prepared for it uh so it is extremely noisy where i live <laughs> and we had to switch up the method of recording to kind of minimize all of the noise of people getting prepared and uh battening down the hatches as it were don't worry about me uh i was i was telling tuesday by the time it gets to me it uh, should be nothing more than a whimper, but uh, there are still preparations to be done. You don't want uh, lawn furniture blowing away and all that kind of thing. So there are preparations to be done, and uh, all my neighbors are doing them, and it is creating quite a bit of noise uh, today. So Yeah, and uh, we'll see if, what uh, what Disney decides to do. Not, the, not their first go either. But uh, Disney routinely has remained open as hurricanes are going through. It is kind of rare for them to have to uh, worry about a hurricane named after a Disney princess, however. (laughs) This might not even be the last one, depending, because if there's a couple of more of these, uh, one is set, if they get that far... On the list uh, of names for st- tropical storms is Wanda. So there is a, ch- a possibility of Wanda and Elsa going through this, going through Florida. <laughs> wow. And um, yeah, given how hurricane seasons have been lately, um, we've been blowing through the Latin alphabet and getting into the Greek alphabet these past couple of years. So yeah, probably going to do that again this season. Thanks, climate change. Let's go to our main feature. The main, th- our main topic this week is the original Toy Story, the first Pixar film, where it all began for them, sort of. Uh, this is something that we've wanted to do for a while, but due to varying circumstances, we kind of had to put it on the back burner and say, well, if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. <laughs> the relationship between Pixar and Disney, we've kind of talked about it few times has existed a far longer than people would like to think um we talked how people who would form pixar's animation division first kind of started with like the brave little toaster how 
Disney was using Pixar's computers to do the special computer effects for their movie going back to the Black Cauldron. Pixar developing the cap system, which started with the rescuers down under. So this relationship between the two studios goes way, way back. And of course, when Pixar decided that they were going to make their first ever animated feature film, it just made sense to have to work with Disney to distribute the movie. Pixar started out as a computer company and their animation, they'd made several animated shorts and commercials just to show this is what our computers can do. These are how how powerful our computers are. Don't you want to buy one of our Pixar computers? And then everyone says, uh, no, we want you to make more cartoons, make a commercial for our company and stuff like that. And then they, and then their shorts started showing up in film festivals and getting awards. So they transitioned from being a computer company to being an animation studio. That itself is a wild story. Yeah, um, I I don't think they... I don't think anybody intended them to to go that way, much less Pixar themselves. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a gamble. Kind of like how Snow White was, where no one really thought a fully animated feature film would work. No one really thought a fully computer animated feature film would work. And not the way we've talked about before, where using computers just to animate 2D pictures, but rendering 3d models and making them move and syncing with sound to make a full length movie when when you first heard about toy story a a full computer animated feature film i've always been the geeky kid who really loved computers and stuff um i didn't have much access to them as a kid um because they cost money and we didn't have any uh but I always loved them and I always liked watching news stories about them and everything. So I kind of knew it was coming eventually. And I liked watching bits in, in movies where they were upping the technology. So I liked watching, you know, beauty and the beast. It's the first animated sequence you know in an you know a computer animated sequence in an animated movie and going into things like jurassic park where they have all of these cgi characters and everything and so i was kind of waiting for somebody to do this and when they announced this i was really stoked like i really wanted to go see this movie not necessarily because I wanted to see a movie about toys, but I really just wanted to see a movie done on computers. Like, I, I really wanted to see what the technology was. For me, um, I was a big fan of a cartoon, you may have heard of it, called Reboot. And that was one of the first all-CG TV shows So to see that, but now a movie. Yeah, it wasn't the same company. Young me didn't care. I wanted to see that kind of thing done as a full-length feature film. Curious how they would pull it off. Would people want to see it? 
you know, uh, reboot, Beast War, stuff like that. I, I was all in on that. And to see a movie done like that was like, amazing to me. And in terms of a movie about toys that come to life when people aren't around, uh, Jim Henson kind of did it first. 1986, the Christmas toy. What Christmas means here in the playroom is that the children will be receiving new toys. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. Yeah. I'm not even sure Christmas toy is out in an official version right now. It is. It, I actually is saw it, it, I actually oh. saw it on, on Amazon Prime over the Christmas holiday. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. So this became like a big deal, you know, and really changed the game of animation. Now, when you go see an animated feature film, it's in CG. Very rarely will you see a 2D animated feature film anymore. Even yeah, even, even the main Disney line, yeah. Yeah, Disney just... They thought, hey, 2D animation isn't making money anymore. We need to go CG. And that was part of why that early 2000s decade didn't do well for Disney. The other half was, as we said before, timing. Releasing their movies to get squashed by bigger franchise films. But really, it was this movie and really the start of DreamWorks picking up with Ants and later Shrek that really solidified CG animation as the standard. And it really all started with this, Toy Story. Some of the animation doesn't hold up as good, especially when you're looking at the human characters. Yeah, the toys pretty much hold up. The humans do not hold up at all and are kind of nightmare fuel. Comparing the human and animals in this movie to Toy Story 4 is night and day. Yeah. So the Toy Story kind of became a self-fulfilling prophecy because to this day, the Toy Story brand is just chugging along. Every time, every place that sells toys, even though there hasn't been a movie in a while, they're still selling Toy Story toys. You can still buy a Woody or a Buzz. Also, it was kind of a coup in marketing in another sense because they had to get a really good branding deal with a lot of different toy companies to be able to use branded toys. So, yeah, they had to work with all these toy brands like Mr. Potato Head for Hasbro, Slinky Dog with its own brand, uh, its own thing, and they straight up mentioned Mattel in the movie yeah and and they would bring in uh mattel in toy story 2 with straight up bringing in barbie yeah so they worked with a couple of toy companies officially to have their branded merchandise in and as after the first movie was a hit of course every toy company wanted their branded merchandise in the toy story series so each movie had more and more uh, branded merchandise in the movies. 
And yeah, um, and likewise, you're getting a Toy Story branded Mr. Potato Head. They relicensed Slinky Dog for sale. And on a Toy Story theme, you know, Toy Story branded Barbie doll. So it worked both ways. So like, yeah, Barbie is now featured in Toy Story, but now you can go get Barbie in the exact outfit she wears in the movies with the Toy Story branding on it in the store. Yeah. Um, I mean, Disney is nothing if not a marketing genius. Mm-hmm. It made a lot of money for for both sides of the deal. It got kids interested in some of the, you know, kids that probably had never played Battleship mm-hmm. were like, oh, what's that game they're playing? You know, kids that had probably never seen a Mr. Potato Head. Because mm-hmm. honestly, Mr. Potato Head was not the big toy when we were kids. There was a Mr. Potato Head cartoon. That's about all I can remember. I do not even remember the Mr. Potato Head cartoon. So this kind of put Mr. Potato Head back on the map for kids, I think, in that generation. Uh, Interestingly, I did have um, a Woody doll i don't think i ever had a buzz Lightyear. and uh that doll would end up being voiced by tom hanks's brother jim hanks who is a uh voice actor professionally yeah and, and can perfectly imitate his brother <laughs> yeah and and when it's not one of the big official you know mega uh films or whatever when it's like one of the smaller things like a storybook or or video one of the or... toys one of the the video games or whatever and it they need woody that is tom hanks's brother even he in is, the parks yeah he you go he to is... toy story land in uh <sighs> in orlando that and you hear it as a giant woody and you hear him say welcome to toy story land it's like that's Jim Hanks. Jim has voiced Woody more times than Tom has. Um, and in fact, uh, Tom Hanks has said that he didn't really have as much respect for his brother's profession until he got the job as Woody. And then he realized like how difficult his brother's job is. And now he he's like, no, voice actors, man, they're they're like the real actors. We are the pampered, you know, we're we're the pampered ones that that are just sitting around uh, raking it in. They're the they're the workhorse actors. So uh, he's become very very complimentary of workaday voice actors after having done the Toy Story series. So Tom Hanks, what a what a stand up dude. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of Tom Hanks, let's let's get into a cast, since we're already here. Yeah. As Woody um, himself, Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to explain Tom Hanks to you. If you don't know Tom Hanks, you are living under a rock. I got no time for you. Um, similarly, Tim Allen as Buzz Lightyear. Tim the Toolman Taylor. 
Yeah, at the time, Home Improvement was like the number one show on ABC. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I think it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas that talked him into the role. Yeah, he had just done The Lion King. Yeah, and he was basically like, go get you some of that sweet, sweet Disney animated money, my friend. And you get paid for life. I mean, how many times, how many, how many royalty checks is John Terry Thomas getting from the Lion King, you know, DVD sales and digital sales. And he's got to be making money off of that. I, I think Jonathan Taylor Thomas lives entirely off of Lion King royalties to this day, <laughs> um, which is a good gig if you can get it. I am, I am not, uh, I'm not knocking that. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, one that I will get into, though, for those who may be younger and don't know, is the legendary uh, Don Rickles as Mr. Potato Head. Um, Don Rickles was a stand-up comedian who was known for his insult comedy. That was really his gimmick. He would uh, come on stage and insult you (laughs) and he was known for being part of uh roasts and stuff like that um but the cool thing uh about it was that he was known for calling people hockey pucks (laughs) and they worked it in uh in a really cool way uh in the movie where he says what are you looking at you hockey puck and it pans over and it really is just a hockey puck <laughs> looking at him. Um, so that was one for the adults. That was the kids weren't going to get that except for me because I, I knew who Don Hercules was. That uh, personality of Mr. Potato Head where he's just constantly insulting people and er- that that's just Rickles. That's just his onstage personality. I mean, it makes sense. No one, Mr. Potato Head doesn't really have a personality. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was kind of the point of Mr. Potato Head. You dress him up however you want. You give him whatever personality you want. So that that whole thing was just Rickles' stage persona. And yeah, um, the, the popularity of the film led to a big business. You know, you said big boom with Mr. Potato Head. Now there's a Mr. Potato Head version of everything. Everything. I mean, uh, superheroes. Uh, you name it. Everyone wants their own version of Darth Mr. Vader. Yeah, Darth Vader. <laughs> Star Wars. There's a Transformers, yeah. Mr. Potato Head, and every uh, every license you can think of. There's now a Mr. Potato Head version of that. Yeah. The a lot of these people we've talked about before. Um, Jim Varney we talked about when we talked about Atlantis. He he does Slinky Dog. Uh, Wallace Shawn, we just talked about last week, uh, playing uh, Rex the Dinosaur. John Ratzenberger, we've talked about before as uh, the Piggy Bank Ham. Pixar's Lucky Charm. Yeah, Pixar's Lucky Charm. Um, Annie Potts is one we haven't talked about um, before. Uh, She's probably best known uh, for being in... She had just come off of designing women at the time. 
um, a show that is particularly beloved where I live because it was set in Atlanta. Right now, she's playing the grandmother on Young Sheldon and killing it, if I may say. She will always be, to me, Janine from Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people love her, Janine from Ghostbusters. In here, you know, the the sweet little Bo Peep, who is Woody's love interest. Let's talk about our two kid actors that we deal with in this movie. We've got John Morris as the voice of Andy. And uh, he pretty much is the voice of Andy. He worked with um, Disney before as the voice of the the Santa boy in Nightmare Before Christmas. Kind of a small part there. He basically was Andy after that. Yeah, even uh, adult Andy. Even in adult Toy Story Andy. Three and Four, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he he kept the part as he aged up. Interestingly enough, uh, the voice of Sid, Eric Von Detten, has had a bit more of a career. Uh, also, mostly um, around um, Disney. Um, he, other than uh, Toy Story, he's had small bit part voices in Hercules, Tarzan. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, he's also in The Princess Diaries. And he was in the TV remake of Escape to Witch Mountain. Hmm. Just like uh, the voice of Andy, he did keep the, uh, the adult of Sid, yeah. voice of, of Sid in Toy Story 3. And no one knew it was Sid. Because he was the garbage man. The only way you would even tell that was Sid. Because he still had the skull face shirt on. He straightened up. He he played nice as it were. <laughs> yeah. One that's in this movie that's kind of interesting. That we hadn't talked about before. Is um, Arlie Ermy. Who is an interesting one. He plays the, uh, the army sergeant. Man who is the leader of the army men. He is a former Marine drill instructor turned actor, first known for the film Full Metal Jacket. And basically he was cast because they needed a drill instructor. He was a drill instructor. So they just put him in there and then he kept getting typecast as, oh, you need a military guy. I mean, close your eyes right now and think of a tough military drill instructor yelling at you. That's our, our Lee Army. Yep. There, but he there made a go. great career out of it. Yeah, he did. And he played that part basically until death. He would show up and he would do that part. You know, so, I mean, what you saw was what you got with him. But if you needed that part, you would call Arlie Ermey. And he he basically did that for the rest of his life and made an excellent career out of it. Yeah, uh, pretty much everybody else we've we've talked about or was kind of bit parts. Um, Lori Metcalf, we've talked about, is in here as Andy's mother. And um, 
interestingly, uh, Penn Gillette of Penn and Teller is uh, a quick cameo as the announcer of the Buzz Lightyear TV commercial. Calling Buzz Lightyear. If you if you had not told me that was Penn Gillette, I would never know. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a really good announcer voice. So, yeah. So. Before we get into the movie proper, I, I, I do want to mention one thing. And I realize this is from the Blu-ray. This is from the 4K transfer. But I do not like that they changed the Disney intro on this movie to be the modern Disney intro rather than the old school CG intro that the old Pixar movies had. Um, for those of you who don't have the original versions of the films, when this movie first came out, it started with a CG version of the famous Blue Castle logo that a lot of the 90s movies had. With their own little original music that would get there. And It, it, it's it's kind of said that that intro is is kind of gone, as they've restored these these older movies for for streaming. Yeah. So that was, that was a cute one. I do remember that one, and I remember seeing it in theater and going like, "Oh look, look what they did to the logo!" Because I do respect messing with the company logo. And yeah, yeah, Disney. I mean, Disney themselves do it every once in a while. Yeah. So, um, since this is an early Pixar movie, this is the first time that they've used Randy Newman to make the music. Randy Newman singing that song, You Got a Friend in Me, which has become the theme song of the entire franchise. Every movie starts, all four movies start with You Got a Friend in Me. But yeah, for the first few Pixar movies, all of the music is done by Randy Newman, and it's kind of weird. Going back and hearing, you know, we just kind of saw a few weeks ago with the rescuers how at certain scenes in the movie, it just switches to this person singing a song. But at least with this movie, at least with Randy Newman's songs has something to do with what's going on in the plot. Yeah. Like you, you have the first song, You Got a Friend in Me, and you have Andy and, and, and Woody playing with each other. Uh, you get strange things later in the movie. Where the entire room is changed, like Woody's entire life is flipped upside down because of Buzz being there. I'll, uh, I will go sailing no more once Buzz realizes that he is a toy and he's trying to fight against it. No, 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 I'm not a toy. I'm a space ranger. I can fly if I wanted to. And it's like, like if this was a proper musical, the characters would probably be singing those songs. And uh, and I say that as a side note because there actually is a Toy Story musical. You got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. That's why we're here. We are the all-star cast. We're just listening for our cues. That's why we're here. We all got parts to play. And we... You will beat back the talk. Till a 
on YouTube if you want to see it. <laughs> so I want to start the conversation with this. Is Woody the villain of this movie? I'm not sure Woody is the villain so much as maybe Woody's insecurity is the villain. Because we have Woody. At the beginning of the movie, he is Andy's favorite toy. Then the birthday party happens, and now Buzz is Andy's favorite toy. And Woody is kind of discarded. And that starts that the entire rest of the movie is... Woody trying to get rid of Buzz to reclaim his spot as the favorite toy. I think, though, Woody might seem less of a villain if there had been more than a throwaway line talking about what happens to toys who are not Andy's favorite toy. Because this has always been a slight, not a plot hole, but a slight oversight, I guess, in the movie for me. Mm-hmm. That makes Woody seem a little more villainous and a little less sympathetic. Is that somebody says, well, we'll be next week's garage sale. As it stands, from the audience's perspective, what Woody has to lose from not being Andy's favorite toy is being Slinky Dog or Potato Head or... You see what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. he's not banished from the house. He's just not on the bed. So it's less like... He's trying to save his life or something, and more like he's trying to be retain his position as petty dictator, which is a lot less sympathetic uh, motivation. And this is something that kind of goes with Woody throughout the rest of the franchise. You know, with Toy Story 2, he finally realizes that he was a once a popular TV character and he's going to be adored by people in a museum. And Toy Story 3, he wants to stay with, you know, he's the one that Andy chooses to keep after getting rid of all of his toys. And and then the big hit in Toy Story 4, where he is ultimately he is ultimately discarded by Bonnie in the closet with his own sheriff medallion taking off his chest and put on Jesse. Woody's insecurity is a driving point of his character in every single Toy Story movie. I think that while it is sort of understandable, I think if the stakes were a little bit higher than Ego, he would be a a more sympathetic character. In this film, he really does come off as a jerk, especially from an adult perspective. Mm -hmm. I think watching this as a kid, you liked Woody a lot more. Mm -hmm. Watching it as an adult, I was really like, oh, man, this dude is a jerk. Does he quite go into Richard territory? He, He is occasionally a giant Richard, yeah. It's so weird. And again, I think he's a giant Richard because he has a less understandable 
motivation. I mean, not understandable. You know, egoism is understandable. Relatable? It's just not sympathetic. Yeah. Um, and like he's the boss. He's like the first toy. And they, they mention it in the movie as Andy's had Woody since kindergarten. Yeah, so, this is a bit more Lord Farquaad. If you'll mm. let me draw a parallel to Shrek, you know, it's like, I'm the one who is in charge. I will be in charge. I deserve all the things. Yeah, I found myself in a kind of fully adult rewatching of this going like, wow, my sympathy for Woody is totally not here for most of the movie and as we see his position as the favorite toy does get him a number of loyalists because you have slinky dog which is like uh we, we see the scene later in the film of potato head taking his lips and putting it on his own butt as slinky dog is, t- is talking to woody yeah and and potato head's not wrong Slinky Dog would annoy me in that situation. You're the best, Kiki. Everyone's no one's as smart as you. You're you know you're the greatest toy ever. Like yeah yeah I I can see that. Yeah well I mean I'm not one who likes a someone kissing up to me, but I also don't like people kissing up to others. Mm. Like from the outside. I just, I don't like it, you know, I'm very much a, I'm very much, well, you know, to use the Western reference, I'm very much a straight shooter. I, I just, I prefer people to just speak plainly. And that's you know? also part of, that's also part of Woody's, uh, um, Woody's part of this film is that now all of his loyalists are kissing up to Buzz. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing about those those types of personalities is they're not loyalists you know they 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 really don't have loyalty you know they'll they'll just go with whoever is the the flavor of the moment they yeah the second that that buzz shows up and he's like oh you know look at my little blinking light and look at my plastic wing and my, uh, card- and my cardboard spaceship and my cardboard <laughs> spaceship and everybody's like Ooh, uh. really the were only you one the who- type of kid that kept the cardboard box if it was shaped like something neat no but i was also the guy that ha- i was also the kid that had a bunch of lego so i would build my own like I would build my own. Okay, I don't have uh, the 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 Thundercats car. All right, I'm just gonna build my own out of Legos, and this is good enough. Fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I didn't have Lego except for like maybe like the the tiny mini kits that you could buy at the the checkout line mm. that were like maybe three dollars. I had those when I was a kid, maybe. Um. When I was a kid, but I didn't have, like, a proper Lego set until I was in my 20s, mm. um, and I could buy it for myself. Um, so pretty much everything that I had was made out of cardboard, and I made it myself, including we got a new TV, and this was 
you know, uh, if there are any kids listening, TVs used to be huge and heavy. And uh, we got a brand new TV when I was a little kid. The box was big enough for me to sit inside. Mm. And I covered the inside with um, construction paper. And I took crayons and I colored a um, inside of a plane cockpit. And I made myself a plane. And then my father threw it away because he has a uh, hatred of boxes that I've never quite understood. And I was very, very sad because it took me forever to make that and i was so happy in my plane and then it was gone but yeah i made everything out of cardboard for my toys so so having like an official buzz lightyear spaceship like i would have i would have kept that box forever i would still own that box if it was like (laughs) Clearly Andy does. Yeah, clearly Andy does because he keeps that box and to the point where Buzz is trying to fix it with with tape because he believes it's going to launch him into space. Let's let's talk about Buzz. Why? Why does Buzz believe that he is the real Buzz Lightyear? Why does he not? Why is he not aware that he is a toy? Yeah, this is kind of the thing that's never really explained in the film. And this is something that goes to all Buzz Lightyear toys, not just Buzz, but all the Buzz Lightyear, you know, the, when he, when we see the other Buzz Lightyears in Toy Story 2, when we meet Zerg in Toy Story 2, they all believe that they are those characters. Uh, the only thing I can think of was an unproduced movie. So when, Dis- when it looked like Disney and Pixar were about to uh, split up, Right after uh, Cars came out, there Disney was going to produce a Toy Story sequel in-house, and there there was a, a teaser image release. I don't know if you remember this, called Toy Story Three Recalled, and the plot of that story was going to be that all Buzz Lightyear toys were going to get recalled due to some factory error, and a lot of people put together that maybe it's this factory error. That makes all of the Buzz Lightyear toys believe that they are the real Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, um, in in the real world, um, it was uh, Joss Whedon's idea. He was one of the writers on this. Yeah, he's credited in this movie. When I saw the opening credits and it said screenplay by Joss Whedon, I said, oh, I forgot Joss. I that. Slipped my mind that he had anything to do with this movie. Yeah, he was uh, one of the final writers to work on it. He uh, changed the character of Buzz Lightyear. And one of the major changes that he made was that originally Buzz Lightyear was just kind of dippy but he 
knew he was a toy. And one of the changes he made was this idea that he doesn't know he's a toy. It's credited with, like, completely changing the tone of the film and kind of making it finally work. Because they had a lot of trouble getting the the plot to work up until that point. Um, but it's never actually explained in the film why Buzz is the only one that is under this delusion. And even in Toy Story 3, once he gets the factory reset, he's back to Toy Story 1 where he thinks he's the real Buzz Lightyear. So, yeah, they, we there's never an official canon explanation. But, yeah. I mean, it does work for the film, you know. Um, it it was in, in retrospect a, a brilliant idea because it does make the film work. It, it is one of the things that makes him exasperating. You know, you can understand what he's predicament that this guy is the ultimate annoyance to have in your house. But at the same time, you can't really hate on Buzz for it because it's not really his fault. He literally came out of the box thinking that. Yeah, I mean, it's like having somebody with a brain condition or something. You can't hate them for it. It's just how their brain works. I want to talk about the kind of secondary villainous character that we have in Sid. Mm. They place this family in a rather nice suburb, and Sid is their neighbor. I gotta tell you, this character makes more sense as a country kid. Or at least an other side of the tracks kid. Well, yeah, um, I know, like, 12 of this kid growing up. Mm-hmm. I, I think of one guy specifically that I knew in my late teens into early 20s who, you know, he grew up in the middle of the country. He was a good friend of mine, and he loved going to flea markets. We would go to flea markets together. And he loved buying old toys basically to do this sort of thing with them. Because mm. he lived out in the middle of the country. He wasn't going to bother anybody with, like, setting off a firework or whatever. Because he didn't have neighbors for miles around. Mm. Um, or he had a microwave specifically for the purpose of microwaving Barbies and stuff mm. like that. <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, he would create all sorts of monstrous creations and everything, you know. Um, not the world's most stable guy, you know. I was gonna say you're microwaving Barbie dolls, but uh, it's very obvious in the movie. I, I think it's one of those things that the movie really dances around it. They keep calling for mom. We never see mom. Um, the friend that I that I watch these movies with, uh, 
said, who in the world lets this child have that many locks on their doors? Like, what sort of parent does that? And order big fireworks off the internet. And order big fireworks off the internet. But my point was, I think the movie is very obviously saying that this is a home of neglect and possibly worse without saying it. We never see it with Sid's sister, though. Well... That we know of. That the the sister also shows some signs. the The way that she cowers from the brother and the dog and the it, it means the mother hasn't been around to protect her and the you know I don't really want to get into it. I don't want to get into anything you know weird or triggering. But the sister also shows some, you know, worrying things. And I don't know if they meant to put anything in like that in there. I'm not sure if they sat down and were like, I think that it was probably more as, as these things kind of end up in art, it's more like, you know, my story about my friend. You know, it's like, you know, I have this friend, and he used to microwave Barbie dolls and stuff. But the end of that story is probably not the most stable guy, right? There was more going on there. And I think that's probably it. Like, somebody at Pixar probably knew a Sid and his sister. But probably, in retrospect, somebody should have called Child Protective Services on that family. It's those kind of things, you know, that like it was probably just somebody's real life story that got put in a movie. But when you look back on it, you go, oh, yeah, there was a lot of red flags there. And I was a kid and I missed them. But, you know, as we say, as uh, as the movie goes on, he's literally scared straight. You know, the, the toys had enough they rose up against him and he he, you know he played nice as 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 what he says and and we see him in the third movie you know yeah and the interesting thing is is i saw somebody point out that can you really consider sid a villain because from the toys perspective and from the audience's perspective he is a villain but the thing is sid doesn't know that the toys are sentient until the end of the film. So is Sid any more a villain than us cutting up construction paper to make, you know, something? Mm -hmm. Like, until we find out that thing is sentient, are we doing any harm in our own mind, you know? Like, he was he wasn't intending to do any harm. He's making crafts. I mean, I guess the worst thing he was doing was upsetting his sister. Yeah, no, he. I mean, he was when, a jerk to his sister. Well, he comes back from Pizza Planet. He straight up gives in his sister's face. Did my package arrive? 
And she's saying, I don't know. I don't know. And his response to it is to tear the head off of his of her doll. And replace it with a pterodactyl to scare her. Yeah. I mean, he's a jerk to her, his, his sister, but is he a villain to the toys? I mean, he's not intending to do harm to the toys because he doesn't know the... He's always seen as being nice to his dog mm. that he knows has feelings and some form of sentience. So, I mean, at worst, he's a villain to his sister. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Make of that what you will. Yeah. So, one thing that does kind of, uh, that as they've grown older, has questioned if they're moving in a few days, why does Andy go through the trouble of completely re- re- reorganizing his room? Taking down all of the Woody stuff and putting up all of the Buzz Lightyear stuff if he's moving in a few days. Child. Yeah. Uh, But here's what I want to know. If they're moving in a few days, why is none of the stuff in his room packed until the night before they move? Yeah, he said, oh, we're moving in like three days. And so he still has a full shelf full of books. All of his toys are everywhere i moved a lot as a kid you do not start moving in like 24 hours before you move yeah if you know if you know you are moving you start moving like a month before you move at least it's possible she, uh, Andy's mom could have told her, hey, start packing up, start packing up. And being child, he just said, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. I'm going to play with my toys. And then, like, 24 hours later, mom packs everything, you know. The um, Then he has a much more permissive mom than my parents were. <laughs> my parents were like, get in your room and pack. The um here here's the one thing that I wanna know that that I had a beef with watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Skip skipping uh far ahead again back to some of the Sid stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Woody makes contact with the other toys across mm-hmm. the, the gap. Mm-hmm. And he throws them the Christmas lights as a lifeline. And he says, you know, hey, I've got Buzz over here. I uh, I am stuck in Sid's house. I'm, I'm we're going to die. Help me, okay? Now, yes, they think he's done something horrible to to Buzz. He's holding Buzz's dis- detached he's, arm. He's, he's holding Buzz's detached arm, okay? But Sid's house is a torture chamber. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what does every one of those toys do? They leave him in the torture chamber to die. Because again, from their perspective, he intentionally pushes Buzz up, Buzz out the window, and now I mean, he has a body part of Buzz with him, possibly maimed him again, according to them. The, you know, he, oh, he killed Buzz, so let the punishment fit the crime. 
maybe it is my bleeding lefty heart, but you do not do that. They literally had an had the etch sketch uh, sketch out a noose for Buzz for uh, for Woody. It's like they already were planning it. Like if it, as soon as Woody came home from Pizza Planet, they already had plans for him. Uh, I'm I'm just saying they they lost me at that point. Y'all are a bunch of murderers at that point. You you do not you I don't know. And the last one to turn his back on Woody is Slinky. And he does it like he didn't want to. It's like, the evidence is there, dude. And to your fate, it is. <laughs> and that's what really gets Woody is that Slinky, the one that's been kissing his butt the entire movie, turns his back on him. I mean, I, I get where you're coming from, but from the perspective of the toys, yeah, leave him to Sid. Whatever Sid does to him will be its, you know, rightful punishment to whatever he did to Buzz. I, I, I'm just not, I am not standing with that. No, no toy deserves Sid. Yeah, even, even Bo. Like, like I said, the last one that turns his back on him is Slinky, and Bo is one of the first to turn. Yeah, that is a fickle, fickle woman. <laughs> no, you know, just like you gonna, you gonna forget what she did to you, Woody? No. It says a lot that it's it's Slinky that has more, for lack of a better term, love for Woody than even Bo Peep. Yeah, maybe Bo Peep just is attracted to power. I mean, she does say that she wanted. Buzz to be her moving buddy as soon as he did his falling with style stunt. Yeah. Fickle. In the two moments that I think are great in this movie is the the Mrs. Nesbitt tea party where he goes all psychotic. Where, you know, his sanity is completely broken now that he's know that he's a toy. And the depression afterwards where he says, you know, you know, where he, you know, that that moment of set, um, the big depression he gets later when he's tied to the rock is like, you know, why would Andy want me? You know, I'm just a toy and not, I'm nothing special. That ultimate, you know, everything, you know, is a lie. And honestly, that's actually pretty good acting from 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 Tim Allen there. Yeah. Um, I am Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing. Um, I I love the the one little Tim Allen joke that they worked in, which is uh, when they're trapped in in Sid's house and Woody is trapped in the crate and the toolbox is on top. That it's a Benford toolbox. Oh yeah, is, yeah. Uh, the brand that always sponsored the show on um, Home Improvement. Um, And the one other little thing, I love that the carpet in Sid's house is the carpet from The Shining. (laughs) I I just love that. Like, you know, if you're going to go horror movie with it, it's that's a good thing to do. Um, I want to talk about Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. Pizza Planet. 
I don't know why they didn't just make this a chain. I would go to Pizza Planet all the time, except that there would probably be kids there. In Disneyland, there is a restaurant called Alien Pizza Planet. Apparently, there actually is a real Pizza Planet restaurant. And it is in Hammond, Indiana. Apparently, Disney did not know this when it was when the, the movie was being done, uh, which is why there is not a chain of pizza plant restaurants because uh, they're one that there's one that already exists. Seemingly, we were first, and we're not going to work with Disney. <laughs> oh, just buy the store. You're <laughs> Disney. You have all the money in the world. There is a tipping point where somebody will sell you that restaurant. Though, you know, Pizza Planet in the style of Chuck E. Cheese. Well, yeah, we don't see any animatronics except for the door opener. Yeah, the very very Cylon-esque door robots. I really like the door robots. But I like the little the little arcade thing. I like the drink dispensers, although that would get messy so fast. I do like that instead of a whack-a-mole game, it's essentially a, a tribute to Alien. Yeah, I really love the whack-a-mole. Uh, I I just love the theming. I would I would love to I would love to have one of those, and I would not want to pay. Disney park prices to visit one. <laughs> you know, that and decent pizza is all I ask. Um, but this has my favorite scene in the film. The claw. The claw. The claw chooses who will stay and who will go. So I was actually at the uh, the, the Disney store in Chicago uh, a couple weeks ago, and they've released this new uh, alien doll that talks, and you push the button, and it says all the lines of the claw, ooh, but it the dolls also have a, some sort of chip in it that recognizes when one of the dolls is talking, and they'll repeat it. So when you push the button on one doll, and it says the claw. I you hear the entire all the rest of the toys on the line saying the claw. Ooh. Oh, that is so evil. <laughs> so now you can't just buy one. You have to buy at least three. Yeah. So that you can have like a whole horde of these things repeating. The, oh, that is such an evil way to sell multiple dolls, and I want it. <laughs> Seriously, those little alien toys are my favorite part of the movie. I absolutely adore them. They are just the cutest thing. I hate that I have that button in me that gets pressed with the like the adorable button. <laughs> you know, I hate that that ad- adorable button can get pressed in me. And I'm like, oh, I realize I'm being manipulated by a giant soulless mouse, but I really, really want it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I I do like how how Woody just calls them sycophants. Like, this is their religion and they're in some sort of cult of the claw. (laughs) So he calls them zealots. Yeah, I like that one even better. 
like, I, I love that they're they're in the backpack and the little alien is like, Nirvana, wait. The whole Pizza Planet sequence is just great because it really... You almost want Woody to just leave Buzz to his fate. Yeah. By this point, Buzz is so annoying, even to the viewer, that you just kind of want to go, Woody, just go home. Leave the annoying, you know, like completely... Delusional (laughs) Buzz Lightyear. Delusional Buzz Lightyear to whatever bizarre thing he's going to do. Just but go he knows home he with can. Andy. He knows he can't, because if he goes home without Buzz, he's not going to be there very long. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it is self-preservation. It's not just going home to Andy. It's all the toys now believe he's a murderer. Kudos to Woody here. He does have that delusion play in his favor, saying, hey, I found a spaceship. We can get to a spaceport. Because he knows the Pizza Planet truck will go back to the restaurant. And then he'll, because he knows Andy's at the restaurant. And they get to go home with Buzz. But Buzz screws it up by going into the claw machine. And of course, uh, the Pizza Planet truck has become a running gag in every Pixar movie. That's one of the, if you go to a Pixar movie, Try to find where the Pizza Planet truck is. I found it in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to go back to to what I was saying with, with Buzz and that big depression. That, you know, he, he he's not a real space ranger. He's just a toy and his entire life is in line. Why would Andy want him? And this is the point where, where Woody kind of kind of looks into himself like you are a cool toy no one you know andy would andy wants you andy loves you and you know you're way cooler than me it's one of the few times where where woody is actually kind of being honest with him with 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 himself but he's still kind of selling himself short in a way like there's a reason you've been the favorite toy this long with andy I don't know, but I I do like that scene, but but between Woody and Buzz, where Woody is trying to pep up Buzz and like you know, Andy needs you, and we need to get you back to him. Yeah, it is a really sweet scene, and I I like Woody's kind of discourse on what it means to be a toy. Mm-hmm. That you know your you're better than Buzz Lightyear. Mm-hmm. You know, Buzz Lightyear is just one thing, but to this kid, you're his entire world. You know, you're special because you're his toy. It's a really sweet moment where you find out that maybe... It's the one moment where you find out that maybe Woody's motivation isn't entirely ego Mm. that maybe it's a little bit deeper that he 
wants to be Andy's favorite toy because he finds a deeper meaning in it. Woody eventually, you know, the another part of the here that that is a growing point is that first he's completely scared of the of the the I don't know what you would call them, Sid's little projects, his mishmash toys, because they look different. But realizing that they're not bad, because you know they they repair Buzz, and just begging them, my friend is about to die, please help me. And it's enough to get them. None of them. None of them talk. I'm surprised that they never gave any of these characters voices. But none. Of, and they agreed to I help. I think they're scarier without voices. The only thing I don't like about it is that we have a character in this movie named Ducky. And then in Toy Story 4, we get another character named Ducky. Justice for this Ducky. This Pez dispenser on top of a action figure torso on a spring with a, with a suction cup on it. Yeah. And it's... I don't know why, but I always laugh at the line, legs, you're with Ducky. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) But let's kind of go into that. The, the The big plan of breaking the rules. Like, this is the first time we're ever told that there are rules to be a toy. That throughout the movie, the toys, you know, collapse when there's people around but we never know why they just do it here at the end of the movie we are told that there are some sort of rules that the toys have to follow that they are breaking just to say buzz by coming alive in front of a, a human and it's never brought up ever again like what are these rules well and also buzz seems to follow the rules even though he doesn't know he's a toy yeah that's weird even to the point of it will cost him his own life that's the thing the rules are so important to the toy that they will maintain this fiction to the point of death mm-hmm because they do it with Sid all the time. They will let Sid mutilate them and kill them and everything. Especially, you know, going back to combat Carl, you know, he could have ran. Yeah. But he he didn't, you know. The the notion of preserving the 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 fantasy as it were of being a toy was more important than preserving his own life. He let himself get blown up because he didn't want to break the rules. I mean, that's some serious. I mean, you call the the alien toys zealots, but like that that's some zealotry right there. Yeah. But yeah, they they and it's a great scene of seeing like the the. I assume the combat Carl's coming out of the mud, all covered in mud and coming out of the sandbox and under the the, the picnic table. Even the mute there, the music changing to be, you know, this kid is horrified 
of all his mutilated toys coming to life and saying, we're not going to let you do this anymore. And then, uh, you know, the, the, the cherry on top is he's running in. The toys are alive. The toys are alive. And here's Sid's, uh, Sid's sister. Do you want to play with my dolly? And he's just running off screaming. And I love her glee at finding out he's scared of the doll. <laughs> yeah. And she kind of gets her revenge. Just chasing him. Yeah. We we find out, you know, he straightens up after this, as we see later in later films. But does he just get rid of all of his toys after this? Well, I, as you get, yeah, I mean, I, I think he would. It's obvious that he didn't have any toys of his own to play with in the traditional sense. That he took toys from other people or, you know, out of the garbage or whatever, like claw machines or or something, cheap little toys, so that he could um, destroy them or whatever. He he probably spent a good time, like, grabbing a G.I. Joe and being like, talk to me. Talk to me. I know you can hear me. And yeah, that 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 did get a you know there there is a, that fanon of you know Sid just went nuts and ended up in a mental hospital. That's where he is now. But it's like people not uh, accepting the canon of he's just a regular dude now. <laughs> he's a garbage man now. <laughs> but that would mess a kid up. I'm pretty sure he went to therapy for a while. Oh, yeah. Before deciding that he's just going to lead a, a normal, you know, before he was ready to lead a normal life and probably hasn't touched a toy since. And I wouldn't doubt if he got working in working, uh, working in garbage that he'll occasionally see a broken toy in a trash can and kind of wince at it. Yeah, I wonder if he saves toys now. From the garbage. Again, we only got the the, the one the, the one scene in in three, but I would love to see something. You know, like they make all of these shorts now for Disney Plus. Let's give give us a, a two to five minutes short of what happened between Toy Story one and three for Sid. It would be interesting to see Sid repairing toys. Yeah. And then like giving them to like a orphanage or something yeah that'd be kind of cool um you want to talk about the the big final chase scene here yeah let's go to that the fact the big uh let's get to the big final chase here where they're trying to run to the the moving van and they're chased by the dog and you know with with no time to explain anything throws rc off of the moving van and using the remote to, to, to steer and to get buzzed. And they're like, he's doing it again. Throw him off. Because they believe that he's murdering other toys. Well, also, Woody, use your words. Woody keeps going like, no, no, trust me, it's fine. Or what? Why doesn't he just say, look, the buzz chased by dog. I don't think they would have believed him. Because they were saying, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know. At I least he does one person there, but... would have looked. Like, one of the toys would have looked. And it's not until after they throw Buzz off where 
the little binoculars toy is saying, look, Buzz and Woody are on RC. It almost works if the batteries hadn't, you know, died on RC. And, you know, we see the rest. We get the, the, the rocket. And at no point did they pick up the remote for RC. And I don't think we ever see it in any of the other movies. So that remote is just gone. Yeah, RC is basically um, a useless toy now. Andy can't play with him anymore. Properly. I mean, he could probably could, push him around. Yeah, you could push him around, but like as an RC car, he's not an RC. He's just a car. And they'll probably explain that they lost the uh, the remote in the move. Yeah. They can't really do anything about that. And, but yeah, they make it back to the car and. Oh, Buzz and Woody were in the car the whole time. Now, the yeah. Woody ones make sense. Because he took Woody into the car to go to Pizza Planet. So that I can buy. But when we, why would he say Buzz is in the car? Uh, I left Buzz. Oh, you left Buzz in the car. Well, honestly, kids do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you leave it in the car? No, I didn't leave it in the car. I had it in my room. And then you find it in the car. And they're like, I didn't leave it in the car. Then why did I find it in the car? I don't know. Magic. You know, it's like. (laughs) Yeah. It's just just kids. And we get another Christmas scene. I guess we are doing Christmas in July. Yeah. It seems Bo and Woody have packed things up because they're making it out under, under the mistletoe. I guess Woody is still the favorite toy because that seems to be the way Bo swings. Apparently, the room is now like half Buzz, half Woody in terms of decorations. Maybe Bo is sharing them. Maybe. I mean, again, it's the sequel hasn't been written at this point and Jesse didn't didn't exist yet. So, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I do like this, this part here at the end where Woody said there's no toy that Andy could get that's more annoying than you. And it turns out to be a dog. <laughs> Yeah. It's a puppy. After them almost getting chewed up by a dog from Sid. Yeah. However, Mr. Potato Head gets a uh, a good ending. Yeah, he, because, he finally gets to Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, the whole movie he's been uh, happy. Uh, he's been wishing for Mrs. Potato Head. And then the baby sister gets a Mrs. Potato Head for Christmas. Um, should, should we, should we talk about the recent potato head controversy? Sure, why not? Because <laughs> that's the most granted, ridiculous granted, thing ever. Granted, that, that audience has moved on to other things, but sure. That's, yeah. That's it, and what's so funny is I think most of it comes from this movie. Mm. The idea of. The the fierce masculine gendering of Mr. Potato Head. Um, I think it just comes from Don Rickles in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, uh, Hasbro has changed. They've changed Mr. Potato Head to just be Potato Head. They've dropped the Mr. Well, 
They they haven't. They've changed the line, the mm. overall brand, to just being Potato Head. Mm. It used to be called the Mr. Potato Head line. And then individual cho- toys would be like, you know, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head, or whatever. But mm. the overall brand was Mr. Potato Head. They've dropped that, and now the overall brand is just Potato Head. Okay? And then under that brand, you have, like, Mr. Potato Head Toy and Mrs. Potato Head Toy. But the brand is Potato Head because it's more inclusive of the brand. And then you might have Darth Vader Potato Head. Or Stormtrooper Potato Head. Or Superman Potato Head. Because it makes more sense, right? Because not everything is Mr. Potato Head. Because mm-hmm. like we said earlier in the show, everything has its own brand of Potato Head now. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense for the overall brand to just be Potato Head without the honorific Mr. But you still have Mr. Potato Head toys. Well, a certain uh, quote-unquote news network got a hold of this and wrapped up a certain segment of the population that now we were having gender-free potato toys, and potato toys could not be gendered anymore, which, like, what, you know. Um, And the thing is, is, of course... Like I just said, the individual toys can still be Mr. or Mrs. or whatever. They're just removing the thing from the major brand header. Um, and so, yeah. It was a nonsense story distraction like all of their huge controversies are um but this one just was really hilarious um because they kept using footage from toy story in all their little quote-unquote news uh segments on the channel to talk about how mr potato head used to be the height of manliness really since when since when is Mr. Potato Head? That's, I mean, since 1995, when Don Rickles had a manly voice in Toy Story, and insulted though, people. That's exactly though, when. I mean, uh, potatoes don't have genitals. The fact that we have to say this is sad. Yeah, but that's exactly when, and that's why they kept using Toy Story footage, because up until that point. Mr. Potato Head had no personality, you know, which was the point of the toy. It really didn't have a personality, and it only barely had any kind of gender assignment. The only difference is that, like, one toy came with, like, a bow and some eyelashes and lipstick-looking lips, you know? It's like, whatever. Um... So, 
yeah, they were kind of pulling most of that off of the Don Rickles portrayal, which is hilarious. Um, and I think Don Rickles would find that absolutely hilarious as well. But yeah, that so that was the whole controversy, and that's how Toy Story kind of got roped into being the face of it almost. Um, but so if anybody ever comes at you with that they removed the gender from Mr. Potato Head, they did not. It just it's just a branding thing that makes more sense because of what we said earlier. They expanded the brand. It's not just Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head anymore. It's you know, Disney Princess Potato Head and Superman Potato Head and Darth Vader Potato Head and, you know... Avengers Potato Head. Avengers Potato Head. And, you know, yeah, it's it's all that stuff now. So now it's just the Potato Head brand because that makes more marketing sense. It has nothing to do with gender. And any friend who tells you otherwise is maybe drinking some Kool-Aid. And get them to stop. People just want something to be angry about. And they'll make something up to be angry about that doesn't exist. And then they'll be angry about that. Yeah. Anyway. Toy Story. <laughs> Toy, Story. <laughs> Toy Story. Let's so ask the let, question. Let's, yeah, let's ask the question. Does Toy Story have the magic? Uh, yeah. There's still magic here. It's still a cute movie. Uh, I think personally... Most of the Randy Newman songs don't hold up for me. You Got a Friend in Me still holds up. Most of the other songs don't. I forgot that there's technically a Lyle Lovett cover of this at the during the end credits. I was wondering who that was. I couldn't place the voice when I heard it, but yeah, okay. He He was big at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the story still holds up. The animation half holds up. Uh, when you're just dealing with the toys, it it still looks all right. Uh, yeah, you can tell it's older, you know, but it it still mostly holds up. Um, the um the humans can get a bit nightmare inducing at times but they're not on screen as much so for the most part holds up um but the story the story is still good and the acting is good i'm gonna say yeah definitely has the magic this movie is still really really good all these years later uh my opinions will likely echo yours the animation for the toys still holds up not so much for the animals not so much for the people but yeah, it's 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 a classic. And even if it's just like the one, you know, the one Toy Story movie, it's still a, a classic and yeah, if you haven't watched it, do so cuz it's it's still good. So let's move on to next week, Freaky Friday. And no, we are not talking about the Lindsay Lohan version. <laughs> we are going to the original um Jodie Foster version. Yeah, we figured we'd go back and uh, look at the OG classic. The second movie that we've talked about that was eventually remade with Lindsay Lohan. Because last year we did talk about uh, The Parent Trap. Yeah. So, uh, so let's see how the OG Freaky Friday holds up. 
yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It has been uh, a while since I've seen it. I think I was a little little kid last time I saw it. So, yeah. Come back next week for Freaky Friday, the OG version. And we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it.